Welcome back to Sustainably Influence, the podcast guiding you through the minefield of sustainability with your hosts Charlotte Williams and Bianca Foley. This season we'll be interviewing experts in sustainability and ethical living to shed a little light on the many terms used across industries, discussing the different aspects of living a conscious lifestyle and how we can do our bit to make a difference. Today we speak to Sophie Slater, the co-founder and CEO of ethical, sustainable, locally made fashion brand Birdsong. Together, her and designer Susanna create ethical wardrobe staples, paying living wages to talented Londoners facing barriers to work to bring their designs to life. Sophie also freelances for social enterprises and occasionally writes and lectures in sustainable fashion. So thank you, Sophie, so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I can't wait to have a chat with you. We're so excited for this one. So first of all, let's talk about Birdsong. Can you tell us how it came to be? And this can be your background as well and just how it is what it is today. Yeah, sure. So I co-founded Birdsong when I was 23. Um, I really didn't think that I would be running my own business, especially not kind of like six years on, now I'm 29. Um, but I'd worked in retail a lot as a teenager. I was always really interested in sustainability and ethics, a little bit of Lisa Simpson kind of nerd. Um, and I worked in a vintage shop when I was a teenager. And I also briefly had a modeling contract with a big agency in London, um, which was really exciting because, you know, I grew up in a little seaside town in the Northeast and it was no one in my family worked in the creative industries. It was like a complete world away from anything that I'd ever experienced. But at the same time, um, I also worked when I was a teenager at American Apparel, which is an infamous um, brand. I saw some um, Gen Zers talking about American Apparel on Twitter as their favourite vintage brand, and that made me feel so. I'm just about to say, are they? Are there any stores left in London? No, so they collapsed. They went bankrupt, uh, mainly because so long ago though, right? It was only like three years ago or something. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like three, four years ago, Max. They're not vintage. <laughs> <laughs> Nineteen, they are. But um, yeah, so basically, I worked there, and the combination of working there and kind of modelling, especially like, oh, how long ago was this show made? I was modelling when I was like fifteen, so the industry was super, super undiverse, like really problematic. And um, yeah, the CEO of American Apparel was like a total sex pest. So <laughs> those kind of things really inform my like love of fashion, but um, couldn't really like coincide that with like the little Lisa Simpson feminist inside of me. And then I had a bit of a digression in a university. I got really into activism and, um, you know, was learning about intersectional feminism and uh, working at a rape crisis center or volunteering for a little while. And then, really wanted to work in the social sector so I'd done quite a lot of charity work work with like women and girls and then I did a move to London to do this free alternative to a master's program and um, basically they were like we'll give you the skills to start up your own project and my business partner at the time who's left to start a family now but she um was working in this older person's day center and they were knitting and knitting stuff and then just giving it away to charity shops because they just love to knit and we were like you know people are really interested in um sustainable fashion because this is like the year after the rana plaza collapse and fashion revolution was just getting started this is like 2014 
um people are really interested in feminism and more diversity we've got a lot of i had a lot of photographer friends and journalist friends who were kind of looking for a little bit more from the fashion industry so we thought we'd um combine these beautiful products that women's organizations we knew were making with the kind of marketing um that was a little bit more feminist to try and reach a new audience but yeah so that was back in 2014 and it kind of grew from there like we hired Susanna who's our creative director four years ago and she brought all of the brand kind of together so before we were just kind of selling bits and pieces the women's orgs we were working with were making and had a little bit of design um interference but not a lot but Susanna's got an actual fashion designer background and is amazing at sustainable sourcing so that kind of brought it together a little bit and we became a proper brand about four years ago I'd say I love that I'm actually that's just reminding me I'm doing an accelerator program at the moment Ooh, and um, the London and Partners one it's by the mayor, the mayor of London um, and we had a meeting this morning and one thing we we're talking about was like making yourself more of a business and I was saying how I started my business as just like I'm just doing it with no there was a purpose but there was intention but maybe less purpose because I didn't understand how businesses worked and now I'm having to like go back and fi- figure out how to like get to my next step but in with a business head on so you hiring you're saying Susanna to do that is such a, str- a strong move so early on really take your brand into becoming an actual brand I mean it took like a good two years of like messing around being like what are we doing (laughs) 23 and didn't know how to do anything but I think naivety was also quite useful in a way because we could just be really idealistic like I didn't know how the fashion industry operated or how you meant to do things properly so we just kind of made it up as we went along and I think that's why we've kept a lot of our idealism hopefully but yes, it's so interesting because it, hopefully having Susanna with that bit of um, experience in terms of her actual job and then your excitement and vision is the reason why you you work so well and your company's you know doing what it does because you were smart at the beginning to like bring it all together. So I just I'm really into business at the moment, so I'm just like, oh, that sounds like a great strategy. thank you yeah I think we've still got you know what it's like running your own business you always feel like you've got so much to learn you always yeah I don't think we do it's never ending it is never ending um but something that I found quite interesting is that you describe birdsong as the antidote to fast fashion I saw this quote on I think it was on your website or somewhere um but when you say the antidote to fast fashion what do you mean by that it's interesting actually because the guardian said uh, Birdsong describes themselves as the antidote to fast fashion, but we've never actually said that. <laughs> <laughs> but then we quoted the Guardian quoting us, and now it's a thing. Um, I guess, like, well, I guess we kind of are. Like, we are trying to be. I think it's interesting, isn't it? Like, I was talking to someone before about how um, there's kind of two ways of doing things. You can look at fast fashion and say, like, oh, how do we make that better? Or you can just look at, like, doing a fashion business in a way that makes sense and is ethical and sustainable and then be like okay how do we make this work as a business <laughs> like the other way around kind of so I think because we started off you know because we're a social enterprise we're a social business our um 
bottom line is is to generate income for the women that we work with and we've got you know um a policy where profits are kind of reinvested back into those women's organizations so the welfare and well-being of our makers is is the number one priority really and our customers obviously we want them to be really excited and happy and you can't sell you know a rubbish product like our have to be just as beautiful if not more beautiful and like better quality than anything we're kind of up against because we're up such you know it's such a competitive industry we've got a tiny budget um so yeah I think the antidote really is just you know we don't work with factories we work with like four women at a community arts project workshop who sew all the dresses and blouses and we know them by name uh you know I've we work with some screen printers whose house I've been to for tea. We've been to their son's wedding. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's a different relationship. We work with um, an embroiderer called Mona who works for my housing estate. And like, we'll just go and have a natter. Like, it's not like, I don't know. I, I never knew how fashion brands work. I didn't know you just send off a tech pack and then haggle for a price and then get a, a sample back. I'm like, oh, let's pop in Simone. I better put three hours aside because she'll want a cup of tea and a gossip. <laughs> but it's that thing, it's that idea that keeps coming up time and time again whenever we're speaking to different brands or even when we're just discussing it ourselves. It's that idea of humanity and putting that human aspect back into something, which is, I think, where when you've got these huge conglomerates, they're not thinking about the people. They're thinking about their bottom line and they're thinking about their top line more so. And they're thinking about all this money that they're supposed to be generating to create profits to give back to shareholders rather than as you're doing reinvesting in the people and it's oh it's just yeah I'm I'm all here for it I think I'm all for the people (laughs) it's a bit of our jobs we like that's why we do it you know like as you can see I'm in my bedroom in shared housing I'm not on a yacht (laughs) (laughs) what do you mean don't tell them that (laughs) that leads me on to my next question actually about um the difference between running a business that's based on ethics compared to one that is a fast fashion conglomerate—I can't even never say this word. And I'm conglomerate. Sure <laughs> conglomerate. <laughs> um, but obviously, you've never run a hugely successful fast fashion company. But compared, to, if you were comparing yourself and seeing what um, just the differences what what do you feel like the differences is and I think it would be nice to know positive and negative Mm, it's so interesting because I think like especially in the startup world like all these direct consumer brands that have got like tons of VC funding and like 70 or 700 are like really glamorized and like kind of you know you've seen all the reality tv shows they make of these fast fashion brands that kind of go stratospheric and um I don't know I'm sure it's I'm sure it's a great life uh <laughs> they seem pretty stressed out to be honest whenever you watch them um but I think for us like having such a small team and doing things so we're very cautious like we don't want to grow too quickly overnight because that'll put stress on our supply chain and stress on the that we work with in our warehouse um we work with like a charity who train people with learning disabilities in our warehouse so you know, if they get too many orders, that's just going to stress them out and then they're going to have a bad day and then I'll have a bad day. So we need to make sure that we grow really sensibly. And I think that's the number one thing, really, just just taking little baby steps and putting all those 
um, safety nets and like little buffers in place. And that's why it takes a lot longer to grow, I think, when you're an independent, ethical, social enterprise. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, it's just down to preference, I think. Like for me and Susanna, my like co-founder, who's the creative director, like we both agree that we love making beautiful things. You know, we love clothes we love the creative campaigns that we do but it's it's those human relationships that matter to us the most um and seem to kind of matter to our customers as well so I think I couldn't I can't imagine what it'd be like you know having to like sell a million pounds of clothes like a week or something that sounds really hard yeah I guess for you guys it's that idea of getting that repeat business and building that relationship with your customer compared to the turnover and having a target of as you said you've got to sell x amount of units in a month in a week or in a month for you it's you don't want to put pressure on anybody but you want to have that repeat customer because you're providing a really wholesome service it's the way you're describing it I'm getting I'm getting all the feels it's really nice (laughs) you know that there's like you're helping so many different people along the way and giving people a chance and that's so many people wouldn't know that behind the scenes, what's going on. So I think I just, I'm describing it as wholesome. It's the wholesome antidote. <laughs> we used to have a jumper that said wholesome AF and it sold so well. I need one of those. <laughs> yeah, the women that made them our screen printers friends were like, what does it mean? And then like one of them explained the other one in Bengali, but like said the AF like just in English, like what it meant. <laughs> and then like, were laughing so much oh, and I was like are you okay to do it and they were like yeah it's hilarious <laughs> like we love it. they must have such a fun time because it's just such a random thing so I imagine it's a lot of like mums and and nans that that you're working with and the opportunity that you're giving is one thing but then also that whole idea of like community and ensuring that they have um a sense like just like people to talk to because I know that my nan's really lonely but she's she's like oh my god my nan is a she, I don't know <laughs> you're trying to make nan work aren't you I'm, I can see the brain I can see the cogs turning <laughs> my nan used to be a dressmaker and I've literally got a pile down there on the floor of stuff that I'm taking to her to um to just make better next week but um, I was like oh my god we can get my nan a job with me but she definitely doesn't want a job so <laughs> in my mind like oh I know someone leave your nan alone (laughs) oh that's hilarious um what I'm kind of getting from how you're describing the business and your supply chain and everything and how you work is this aspect of being slower and it's kind of the complete polar opposite to what is pushed to us in the media in general retail all the time and that idea of slow fashion is really starting to become more and more apparent even on Instagram, you're seeing a lot more people trying to talk about buying less, wearing more, being just generally slower with their fashion and using the hashtag a hell of a lot. So I wanted you to kind of talk us through the concept of slow fashion, how it works, and what the benefits are for the climate as well as consumers. Yeah, of course. I think like food's always about 10 years ahead oh, of yeah. fashion and sustainability and like organic and labeling. So I think, you know, it's kind of a nod to like the slow food movement and, you know, I I love fast food. You know, I think it's great, but (laughs) there's a place for everything. Um, So, yeah, I think with slow fashion, the idea is, you know, you're consuming less, you're putting less out into the world because I think like 
is it like 10 billion garments or like 8 billion garments a year get manufactured and we can't possibly wear them all like you know and like a third of it will be what incinerated another third will go to landfill um probably like 80 percent of it's made from polyester which is gonna you know end up in the ocean so i think the slow fashion thing is especially because we now only make to order we're only ever putting a garment there out into the world if it's already been sought after and bought you know it's going to be kind of cherished um and you know we're definitely not perfect like there's things that i really want to concentrate on like you know i wish we were completely circular i really want to look into that um which would be fantastic you know like we try and use fabrics that are biodegradable but sometimes we use reclaimed so you don't know exactly what's in that um but but i think everything's just very intentional and not just doing it for the sake of doing it to make money but and it's interesting actually because we i feel like the first few years we were so you know bought into this kind of startup mentality and um we were a lot smaller so it was just like a lot more stressful because you know you're trying to get established and, and set up and actually i think this year is you know awful and anxiety inducing as it's been people are willing to wait a little bit more because ironically exactly 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 because ironically we switched to pre-order in march and we were like okay so you're gonna have to wait a week or three for your dress to be made which is actually pretty quick because we're in london and they're in london our suppliers um and we were really nervous because we've done made to order before but we felt like the public weren't quite ready for that method and then it turned out that they actually had to wait like six months oops because um, of the pandemic because we had to shut everything down for three months but people have i think we've communicated with our customers really well like you know we chat to them on whatsapp if they're like oh have you got an order update we'll be like hey this is exactly what's happening uh malika's coming back on wednesday for a half day and then she's got to pick her school kids up and then she'll be back in the next week so your dress will be made blah 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 and people really, really connect to that, I think. Um, so, yeah, I think slow fashion for me is just, you know, we've, we've decided to just do two collections a year as well because Susanna works so hard to make these beautiful collections. And then to only have them on the website for four months doesn't really make much sense. So instead, um, you know, we drop them in, in drops every month and people can order them the whole winter. So that's how we're going to do things from now on. But... Yeah, just being intentional and try not to use up too many resources, I guess. No, it's brilliant. One question I've got just on the back of the made-to-order stuff, and this is something I I keep trying to understand with made-to-order brands. What happens if somebody then decides they don't want it? Yeah, that sucks. <laughs> okay. It's always kind of been in my mind and it's been something that I keep meaning to ask people, but I keep forgetting. So. <laughs> Do you keep it in store or what happens? Yeah, I mean, it's not, it's actually fine. Like um, what we'll usually just do is put it back into stock okay. and then the next person orders, they can get it. Um, I think that's why we don't do, try not to do too bespoke things mm. because it's almost, we'll do different lengths, for example, or you can order the same pattern in a different fabric, no problem. But then if you then change your mind, it's a little bit, it's a little bit. We do try, I mean, our customers, to be honest, are so great, like, our return rate is so low um, and 
I think like we put um, an Instagram graphic out a few months ago that was like the most popular post we ever did. And it was like how to shop slowly. And it was about like calming down that like um, internal kind of panic that like these brands kind of have you in this state of panic um, because you need to shop fast and get it quick and otherwise it's going to sell out and you're going to not be hot and no one will love you if you don't buy this thing right away. And, you know, it's about slowing that down and being like, where is this coming from? Like, do I need this? Do I want this? Is it going to make me feel better? Or is it just a really nice thing to spend my money on and I feel good about it? Um, so, yeah, I think the the slow fashion mentality, um, it kind of covers all areas, really. I'm just trying to slow down a little bit as well. Like, I think, you know, when I was like younger, I would just work all hours of all day. And now, like, I think it's much better to be more intentional with how we run our brand. Yeah, that's a really lovely word to use, I think, because that's a, I think it's kind of evident in how your consumers or your customers actually are, because if they're shopping in a more intentional way, it's reflected in the returns then. And I need to adopt some of that to my lifestyle because today has been a day and a half. I'm literally, I've got the shakes, I think. I've run around so much today. And like work, it's funny you say that because I think to myself about my lifestyle. I work, I do all of this and then I've got a full-time job and Charlotte can testify to the fact that I barely, I'm just, I don't think I stop. So <laughs> I'm going to take a leaf out of your book with that one. <laughs> oh, that's really sweet. I mean, I say that I'm working like jobs in the minute but you know I'm not going out so it's fine exactly. <laughs> so, this is it it's like what are you gonna do at home I'm gonna work <laughs> this is a problem with lockdown and I keep saying lockdown but I don't actually know are we still even in lockdown I this the word I'm using I, every time I use it I'm questioning like I don't know what we're in but the COVID situation and I, I definitely got into that mindset of like okay I've got 24 hours in a day I can just use them all and recently I've realized I don't want to use them all I'm actually tired and like I've got no (laughs) my big thing is I'm not buying anything because I've got nowhere to go I don't need money because I've got nowhere to go so I'm just like currently now just working with what yeah but like working what's comfortable to me like I don't know if you've noticed but I've definitely cut down on I used to work every day like seven till ten and now I'm like no, let's just finish work at I finish work at seven still, but I start at nine because I'm a normal human. And I just think that lockdown is has been a bit bad for our mental health in more ways than one. And one of them is because we have so much time, we're picking up those. Um so yeah, I think we need to like just chill out as a people. It's like Yeah, I think it goes either way, doesn't it? Because like Oh, it's really tricky. Like, I've had a bit more work because everything's obviously gone online. And I was kind of furloughed from Birdsong for a few months because we literally couldn't, like, make anything. So I say furloughed, I've had to furlough myself, which was weird. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I well, basically I furloughed myself. And then I just picked up quite a lot of freelance work because I do freelance anyway. And usually I'm, like, usually I'm quite exhausted because I'm, like, running around town, doing like public speaking, doing birdsong stuff, and then I'll do freelance on week evenings and weekends. So I just kind of switched my freelance to the week and now I'm kind of just doing it all in the week but not leaving my room. <laughs> so it is actually a little bit more chilled. And then my weekends are just for like for seeing friends or socially distanced wholesome activities. <laughs> you know, like 
and stuff that I'd never do before because I was too busy like running around so yeah this is it it's it's a very different time and I think it's it's definitely been reflected in how people's attitudes have changed towards so many different things like shopping going out like you wouldn't catch us two in on a evening pretty much like three four nights a week now I'm like the idea of going out the stress I'm going out for dinner after this I'm a bit like oh but I just want to I just want to lie down for half an hour I have no idea how I used to go out like four or five times a week like I was never at home ever it's wild I've been looking at my bookshelf being like I have all these books that I've not read <laughs> like, like all these plants that usually die <laughs> like I don't know like oh I mean we're all just doing what we can aren't we so that kind of takes us nicely into our last question for you which would be if you could ask everyone in the world to make one small change what would it be oh that's such a good question and it's so hard I think I'm gonna go back because you gave me a really lovely compliment about it just being intentional and kind to yourself and like thinking about what you do and trying to do it out of a place of like oh it sounds so hippy dippy doesn't it just trying not to act from like a place of fear because I feel like a lot of what we see in like politics and you know exploitation it's because people are acting from a place of fear and not a place of kind of intention and um people are more intentional about what you know they want to spend their money on or how they want to act towards people um I feel like, you know, it's a luxury to have that headspace, but the world would be a lot better if we all did. That's a nice that's a nice point to end everything. Act with intention. That's 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 the soundbite coming from this, definitely. Um, <laughs> so if we wanted to um find you or Birdsong on social media or on the internet, where could we find you? So Birdsong is birdsong.london, that's the link. And we are at Birdsong London on Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, Facebook. And then I'm at Sophie underscore Avalon, if you want to follow me as well, for more about the fashion industry. <laughs> and <laughs> oh, Brilliant. No, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. It's been such a dream. I've admired you from afar for a long time. So... <laughs>